No? Can you hear me? Ah, unlucky for you. I'm a bit, uh, I'm a little bit upset, actually, at the reaction when Rob said, you know, people feeling Christmases, anyone there who's like, oh, you know. That was just awful. I was really, uh, really sad to see that because, uh, you know, we sing about Jesus and how much we love him and everything, and then uh, when you talk about Christmas, everybody goes, oh. But um, anyway, today I'm going to annoy you a bit more because I'm going to talk a bit about Christmas. And I want to just uh, ask a few questions about Christmas, just so I get a better feel for what's going on in the church and in the congregation. Um, So we're going to talk a bit about this crazy time of year where everything is just mayhem, isn't it? You know, the TV is bombarding you with stuff. Everybody's planning and getting stressed and thinking about shopping and so on, and uh, oh, I've got to clean the house. Some people even decorate the house, don't they? Get new furniture in for Christmas. All sorts of madness seems to go on this time of year. And uh, so I wanted to know, um, just get a sort of, a, it's a bit like a little poll here. How many people here have already ordered the turkey or whatever they're going to have? Put your hands up if you've already ordered your food. So we've, well, oh, not, uh, yeah, quite a late lot here, aren't we? So there's a handful... <laughs> There's a handful here. Hands up if you are going to have turkey on Christmas Day. Hands up if you're going to have beef. (laughs) As well. Okay, this is the house to go to. (laughs) It's looking good. Hands up the nut roasters. Oh, there we are. Nice number of uh, nut roasters there. And... um, no, no, good. And what about uh, people with their presents? Who has finished their present buying? Hands up. Why is it always people near the back, apart from Phil, who's obviously very organised, who, uh, who are organised? That's interesting. There must be some sort, of, some sort of connection with people sitting at the back of church who are very organised, so they can get a quick exit, probably. But, um, right. How many people have got their trees up? Ooh. Ah. How many people will not be putting up a tree? Ah. Is it because you think, is it because you think they're a bunch of pagans by putting up a tree? <laughs> or is it, oh, no, it's for the dogs. Sorry, Beulah, that's all right. It's for the dogs. <laughs> so we've got all this stuff going on. I know Helen's mind is, this time of year, is incredible. It becomes like some amazing sort of... Uh, project plan that goes on in her mind and we've got loads of family all our kids are coming back and uh, I know that as long as it's in Helen's head we'll be all right because she'll have it all filed away so every day what's going to be happening food wise who's going to be where who's going to be doing this all in Helen's head so uh, this bag does not mean that Helen has thrown me out by the way (laughs) it's uh, I was a bit I thought you might be thinking oh he's at it His, his, his time is up and uh 35 years and she's finally had enough. But um, anyway, I think we should get a little bit more Christmassy because you lot are a bit bar humbug, as Rob said, a bit miserable. Now, can I open my bag? So, what do we got in here? Ah, there we go. So this is uh, one of my special hats. In fact, it's my only special hat, I've got to be honest. And, um, and it's lovely. Helen really likes this. And my... S- Isn't that nice? Hey? See, our house is going to be fun too. So, 
Now, if I try and put on this, it's all going to go horribly wrong with this microphone, isn't it? So I'm just going to hold it there for you to get the full impact of what it's going to be like on Christmas Day. So you're starting to feel a bit more Christmassy now? Yay, good, good. Well, that's excellent. So, do you know the hardest thing about Christmas sometimes is family? Isn't it? Yeah, Hayden, I know, I'm sorry, mate. She's back. (laughs) It is hard, isn't it? Because, you know, you choose your friends, don't you? Your family just sort of a given to you. You didn't have any say in it at all, did you? You didn't even choose your parents. They chose you in a weird way. So we've got all these people coming together, and it's quite difficult. So how many people here are either going to stay with family or have family coming to them? Hands up. Oh, very good. Very good. How many people here are going to be alone for Christmas? One, two... Not many, which is great. Do you want to be alone? That's the question, isn't it? If you don't want to be alone, then everyone else should be inviting you to come and stay at theirs for Christmas because actually Christmas is a great time of celebration. Uh, Even though it's going to be chaos in our house, it's going to be wonderful chaos. It's going to be great to have family and friends. I think we're going to have about 18 people on Christmas Day, which will be really good fun. But actually, when you spend time together, it can be quite challenging, can't it? Especially if you don't really get on with your awkward brother, you know, or the idiot uncle. You want it back on again, love? You like it? Oh, you want it off now? You you don't think it suits me? There we go. (laughs) She doesn't want me to wear the batteries out before the big day, I don't think. That's what it is. (laughs) Oh, good. But it is, it's a funny time, and we spend so much energy time and money at this time of year, don't we? It's just incredible. Even though there's a church, we're planning everything. We've got this great service coming up next week. We're on the streets yesterday. We've got kids' club stuff going on. It's fantastic, but we extend so much of ourselves in this short period of time. And uh, so I was just thinking, and if I can have the first slide, please, what's all the fuss about? Gosh, you know, we spend all this money, all this time, all this energy, and get so frustrated, it's all difficult, it's not always easy, but it's sort of somehow wonderful as well. But what's all the fuss about? Now, this is the best bit that's coming up now. I have to come down here. It may, again, if it starts squeaking, I'm sorry. Because uh, this is the bit everybody knows that Christmas is all about. Ah, there we go. See? We have some presents. So, you have to bear with me of just a few seconds. But we have some presents. And uh, this is an amazing free gift from me. There is something in here that is wonderful for somebody in this room. There is something in here that is also wonderful for someone else in this room. If it will... Get the drawing pin through. And here there is also something, perhaps even the most wonderful thing, depending on your choice, I suppose, for someone in this room. Now, that's got your attention, hasn't it? 
Right. So, I would like somebody, and you're only allowed to have one, somebody to come and take a free gift. Go on, up there, yes. Hand straight up. <laughs> I bet this guy only heard the gospel once and responded. This one, please. On your left. There is something in there. There we go. And what does, what does the piece of paper say? Salvation. Salvation. Okay. Please open the gift. The gift has nothing to do with salvation, I've got to be honest. <laughs> oh, chocolate orange. So a round of applause. Happy Christmas. <laughs> so... We want to know what the fuss is all about. And obviously that is a clue for us. And my iPad is now playing up, but uh, there we go. That's always the way in in these things. So to find out what the fuss is all about, we have to go right back to the beginning of the Bible in Genesis. And it's, uh, if I can have the next slide, please. And it's Genesis uh, chapter 1 and verse 31. And it's talking about when God created the world... And we know we, we hear about what he did each day. And then, actually, in verse 31, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Earlier on, it just says it was good. But when he saw all he had made, he said it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, and then the sixth day. And then God had a rest on the seventh day. And then, unfortunately, if we go on to the next slide, Genesis 2 God gave man one command. So he had this amazing place. Everything was very good. And he had one command. And it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you you will certainly die. So one command, and this is so much like us, isn't it? You give us one thing we can't do, and what do we do? We go and do it. And so people think Christianity is all about rules and regulations. It isn't. God is not somebody who loves giving us rules and regulations. He gives us guidance to bless us. We only have one rule, and we've messed it up big time, as we know, as the story goes on. So this perfect creation, and we read on in Genesis about how, unfortunately, Eve was tempted uh, by the devil to eat from that tree. The one thing that the man and woman were not supposed to do. And from then, everything changed. So, before, it was very good. Everything was very good. And then, suddenly, sin came into the world. And the world changed. The relationship between man and God changed. Man went away and hid from God. Whereas before, they used to walk together in the cool of the evening in the garden. So God's perfect creation, it wasn't just man, the whole of creation was affected by this disobedience to the one thing God said, don't do. And sin entered the world. And it was no longer good. 
You know, and even though Adam and Eve, they lived very long time in term, our terms. You know, we're, we're all going to die probably uh, somewhere between, uh, well, we don't know beginning age, but you know, no one's going to live more than about 150, 120, are they? We know that. It just doesn't happen. And they lived for hundreds of years early on. But they still died. And that was never God's intention. His plan was that they would live forever. That they would actually be his friends forever, walking together, working in the garden as, as he'd set it up. So what had happened was that death had entered creation. And that was never meant to be. So what does death actually mean? What does it mean to say, you know, we die or something dies? You know, when I talk to my um, friends who perhaps don't know the Lord, uh, they just think that when you die, that's it. You know, you just cease to exist. And uh, you just return to dust. Especially if you believe uh, in the fact that we're just here by happenstance and some amazing uh, conglomeration of things coming together and creating everything we see. Then I suppose that sort of makes sense. And do you know, in some ways, I wish they were right. Because for them, if they don't know Jesus, that would actually be perhaps better. Other religions might say, oh, you come back, you get another chance, you know, and depending on how you live your life, you will, you will come back as a different type of creature or you know, there will be some kind of heaven if you meet a certain standard and God is pleased with you, all these things. So, so a lot of people struggle with death. They either think it's nothing or they're not quite sure. But we know from the Bible, from what God's word tells us, that uh, this is not the end when we die. <clears throat> but we're made in the image of God. And because of that, that means that we are also eternal beings. And even though our bodies will perish, like Adam and Eve ultimately did, and yours and mine will at some point, unless Jesus returns before uh, we get to that stage in our lives, we will go on for eternity. That's how we're created. We're meant to be in a relationship with God. But now we've got this massive problem that sin has entered the world and there's this separation. Like Adam and Eve were hidden from God. God didn't want that. It was our doing. And we inherit that in our, almost in our DNA, really. We have this sort of separation from God in us. So that even from the youngest age, you know, we have this tendency to go away from God and there's nothing we can do about it. And there is a separation that needs to be dealt with. And even when our bodies die, we will go on for eternity. You and I better get used to each other, hopefully, because we're going to be spending a lot of time together, hopefully, in the future, not just in this world. Some people say that when you talk about you know, hell and so on, they say, well, yeah, but this is hell on earth. You know, and they see some terrible things, and we can see it in the news. We may have experienced times in our life where everything is falling apart, and it feels so hopeless, so dismal, so awful. But it is never hell on this earth, because God's presence is here in the Holy Spirit through you and I, through his people. 
So we, even in the worst times in this world, it is nowhere near what an absence of God is like. Because even though we have sin, we have death, we have pain, we have suffering in this life, we also have God's goodness, God's love, God's salvation, God's freedom. People praying for you whether you don't even know about it. And those prayers are being answered. So there is never hell on earth. In that sense, it's not true. So when people say that, that is not true. This is a mixture of good and evil and the battle that we're in. So now we have this separation. What happens when we die if we're separated from God? And this doesn't get talked about in church very often. We're Quite rightly, we always talk about the grace of God how he can transform your life and give you eternal life with him in heaven or perhaps in the new earth and so on. But we actually skip over in these days the fact that actually <clears throat> if we don't get this separation sorted out before we die between us and God, that there are consequences. If we go to uh, the next slide, which is Matthew 25, and verse 41. And then it's, it's his heart. This, it says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And if we look at the next slide as well, which is Thessalonians. And uh, chapter 1 and verse 8. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Now I know this is quite heavy stuff, which is why churches don't like to talk about it. Because we love to be positive, don't we, and try and attract people. But... We've got to give the whole gospel. We've got to know what salvation means. It's easy to say, yeah, I'm saved. Saved, what does that mean? Saved from what? That's what you're saved from. Eternal destruction. Shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. You really don't want to die without dealing with that separation between you and God because of sin. So, now I've got you all really depressed. <laughs> now is the good news. The good news. God has made a way for us to escape eternal destruction. Eternal punishment and separation. He's got a plan. And he's put it into effect already. Do you know, when we go back to Genesis again, in Genesis 3, um, it, we actually get a, a glimpse of, um, of this, that God, even right at the beginning of time, was going to make a way to sort this out. And it says in Genesis 3, verse 14, So God said to the serpent, this was after the consequences of the fall and so on. He says, because you've done this, 
Cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, meaning Jesus, will crush your head. Deal with him. And you will strike his heel, which pictures the cross that was to come. So even right at the beginning, as soon as this had happened, this terrible mistake, this terrible separation, God was on the move, sorting it out. You know, this plan, this way of dealing with this separation from God because of sin, is available to everybody. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, how old you are. It doesn't matter where you come from, what religion you've been brought up in, whether you vote Tory or Labour, Green Party, Brexit, non-Brexit. really doesn't matter. It's for everyone. You know, Romans 6 is a very famous verse, and it says in uh, Romans 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So we know the consequences of sin. We've had a look at that, and they're terrifying. Let's be honest. It's awful, and we mustn't gloss over it as Christians. We don't want to go around hellfire and brimstone sort of, you know, teaching. But we mustn't neglect the truth because it is the truth. But, as it says here, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, God's plan was to send someone else to die, which receives the wages of sin, to take those wages, if you like, upon themselves instead of you and me. And he actually had to deal with this inherited, almost genetic sin issue by having the Holy Spirit conceive his son in Mary. So he sent his own son, took on the flesh that we have, lived the life that we can't do, where he didn't break even one command, ever. He only did what the Father told him to do. So Jesus died for everyone in the world. He took our sin, our consequences upon himself and went to hell himself. But he rose again. Hallelujah. That's just fantastic. And if we look at uh, the next slide, I think it's John 3.16. Again, such a well-known scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Oh, we have fantastic news. So if you want to know what all the fuss is about at Christmas, why we go so crazy, it's because we're not going to go to hell. And in fact, the whole world doesn't need to go to hell. The whole world 
has, it's all been dealt with. This separation issue, it's been done. That's the good news. That's why we get excited. That's why we want to party. Because Jesus Christ came to live a life that we can't live. Even when we was a baby and wearing nappies and everything, just like us. Grew up, lived the life we couldn't do. That's what the fuss is all about at Christmas. It's about Jesus. And what do we have to do to take advantage of the escape plan that God has put in place? All we have to do, as we read in here in uh, John 3.16, is believe in Jesus. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. And then we're saved from eternal destruction. And we're into, into eternal life with God. You know, Jesus, when he was on the cross, he had the, the two criminals and the one guy said, Look, you know, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. So we're taken from hell, snatched from our future in hell, and taken to heaven with Jesus. What a wonderful celebration Christmas is, you know. So when you're getting a bit bar humbug, as Rob said earlier, just remember, this is the greatest news in the world. The whole world has been saved. And all you have to do is take advantage of that, is to believe. Right. I think I've made the point that Christmas is worth making a fuss about. Who would like a second present? Oh, oh yes. Aaron, come on, come on. Up you come. You only have to come and take it. <clears throat> That's the one thing you have to do. You have to actually come and take it. It's the middle one, please. Family, and what have you got inside? Again, there's no relation at all. The good thing is Aaron's going to share this with everybody. Chocolate coins. Chocolate coins. There we go. Thank you, Aaron. So the good news is that we're saved. We have a future in heaven with God. But there's more good news at Christmas, because when Jesus came, what he did, he opened the way for us to become a family. Now, some of us may not have an earthly family around us. Some of us may wish we didn't. But we have this amazing family. Stuart alluded to it earlier when he said, you know, sort of, uh, you know, how diverse we all are. So I'd like you all actually to just take a good look at those gorgeous people sitting around you. Have a look. Check them out. Go on. Look them up and down. Yeah. Isn't they lovely? Even the people, come on, have a look at the people behind the desk at the back, because they're working very hard and they're just as lovely. Do you know, we're all misfits, aren't we? That's why I wore this shirt. I was hoping it was going to be on film actually today because I thought it would completely mess up John's camera. <laughs> but it didn't work, but he's not here. But that doesn't matter. That's okay. But we're all a bit weird, aren't we, on our own? 
The more you get to know someone, you can love them and like them, but they've all got funny nuances, haven't we? I mean, look at Stuart. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> but we all are a bit weird, aren't we? And God knows that, because he wanted us to be a bit weird and a bit awkward and a bit funny. And that's why he puts us in this beautiful family, because together we've got everything. We've got intelligence, we've got academic ability, we've got emotional intelligence, we've got physical strength, we've got insight, we've got wisdom, we've got power, we've got love. And so the second gift that I want to talk about is you. That actually, if you feel you're a bit of a misfit, This is where you belong. Because without you, we're not complete. Without Stuart, this church is not complete. Even without this shirt, this church is not complete. Well, maybe that's stretching it a bit. Could wear a different shirt. But that is just such a wonderful gift. Something else to get excited about this Christmas is you lot. So who wants the third and last gift? Oh, yeah, I tell you what. Oh, go on, hey, well done. Come on, Denzel. Here we go. This might be his only present this year, you know. I don't know that. I just thought it might be. <laughs> Holy Spirit. Here we are. So the other gift, and the last gift I want to talk about, that Christmas actually is all about as well, is the Holy Spirit. Because when Jesus came, he came to die. We know he came to die to deal with the issues so we don't have to have the eternal separation anymore. And then when he rose again, he said, it's better for you that I go and I leave you because then the Holy Spirit will come. And each of us who has accepted and believe in Jesus get the gift of the Holy Spirit. To live inside us. Can you imagine that? I mean, just think about it. God Almighty inside us. That close. And that's why it says, isn't it? He's closer than any brother. Closer than anyone. God lives in you and I. Wow. That's mad, isn't it, really? I wouldn't want to live in me. <laughs> Seriously. I know what my thoughts are like. I know I've done all that stuff. God says, no, I want to, I want to live inside you forever. Well, certainly in this life until, uh, until we know what happens in the future when we leave here. How amazing is that? So you and I are not only saved, we're given a beautiful family and we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you know, they say, the Bible says that it's a guarantee of our future inheritance. So it all sort of links in really. You know, we were condemned. We were going to be in eternal destruction and fire. And there's lots of scriptures that describe it, which are pretty grim and horrible. Saved from that. And now we're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Wow. To live with us. And it's a guarantee that we're not going to hell, but we're going to heaven. It's a guarantee we're going to spend eternity with God. And with our brothers and sisters. That's why I said you need to get to know each other. Maybe you don't. You've got loads of time. I don't know. But um, there we go. And I've got one more scripture, which is Ephesians 
chapter 6. Sorry, Ephesians 1. Um, it was Romans 6. Uh, Ephesians 1, starting at verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Wow. So the Holy Spirit's there as a guarantee, but he gives us power to live. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you and I. Wow. We need to change our perspective, don't we? You know, we just limit God so much by our lack of understanding of what he's done inside us and who lives inside us. So, those are the three gifts for Christmas. That's the reason that we make a big fuss this time of year. So, don't be bar humbug, Helen, or anyone else. <coughs> Don't get the decorations down on Boxing Day. <laughs> this is a big party, and we're right to celebrate it. This is amazing. We're saved from hell. Woo! We have a family, and we have the Almighty God residing in us because of what happened at Christmas. Now, if any of you need to repent of your bar humbugness, then, uh, then maybe you should just spend some time with God and just say, okay, it's not all about the business. I know why I'm doing this. There's a reason I'm putting this effort in. The reason I'm spending this money is to celebrate something wonderful. Now, if you, on the other hand, didn't realize that you're separated from God, uh, that you don't know Jesus, you haven't believed in him yet, if that's you, then your future is, is perilous, as I've described, as the Bible says. It's horrible. You don't just stop existing. And if you want to have a family, even this family, if you want to have God living with you for the rest of your life, so close, inside you, then today's the day that you can change that. All you need to do is to believe in Jesus and follow him. That means turning from the way you've been going, which is your way, and saying, oh, Jesus, I'm going to go your way. I want to have eternal life with you rather than eternal destruction. I want to be part of this family. I want your Holy Spirit to live inside me. Let's just close our eyes.
Now, if God has spoken to you about the fact that you don't follow him at the moment, you don't know Jesus, you're not sure of your eternal home, you don't know whether you're going to go to hell or to heaven, but you'd like to know that you're going to heaven, I would ask you to, as everybody puts their eyes shut and their heads down, just to raise your hand if you want to choose to follow Jesus from this day on. There's anyone here who's sensed that and they don't want to go to hell? Just raise your hand. And if you are overwhelmed a bit at Christmas, just thank God now for what a wonderful celebration it is. How wonderful the gift of Jesus is, the gift of his church, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And those of you who do know Jesus and are following him, I want to encourage you to not be shy about telling others who don't know the great news that Christmas is all about. Amen. Ephesians chapter 1. This is a beautiful prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus two and a half, two, two, two thousand years ago. And, and he prayed this prayer for their encouragement. He prayed this prayer so that they would know the hope of the call of Jesus. And as John has been sharing this morning, if you don't know Jesus and there is a sense of hopelessness to all that you're doing and there is a sense that you're not quite sure why you're even here, then this prayer is for you. And if you do know Jesus but you feel like you're chasing your tail, and you feel like things are just spiraling out of control, then this prayer is for you. So take your right hand and put your right hand on your heart. And I want you to pray this prayer as though it is you praying the prayer over yourself. It's your neighbor praying this prayer over you. It's all of us up here praying this prayer over you, and it's every saint that has ever lived praying this prayer over you. And let the words of this prayer impact you and remind you who you are and the hope to which you are called. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. I pray that for you, that there would be revelation 
to know who he is so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you are called, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. That, my friends is a good hope. That is joy. So Father, I just pray that for each person here this morning, there would be a revelation of your hope. In Jesus' name. We're going to close with some worship. And I want to just invite you to come forward if you have made a decision that that revelation is for you and you want to acknowledge that revelation, you want to say that revelation, I want it. I want you to come forward and the prayer team will be here to just pray with you and encourage you. But don't leave this place this morning with a sense of hopelessness. There is hope and there is joy.